You are listening to the Kensington Church Podcast, recorded live in Michigan. To learn more about Kensington, visit kensingtonchurch.org. Hey, Kensington, we're at Three North Vines today in Croswell, Michigan. To Croswell, learn... Croswell, not Roswell. Yes, Croswell. Croswell, Michigan, yes. In Michigan. And yes. we are here today to learn what it takes to plant a vineyard. So here at the vineyard, we have our lovely new friend, Christy. Hi, Christy, welcome. Hi. And we want to learn all about what it takes to plant a vineyard. Yeah, how does this happen? How does this work? For my husband and I, it was a hobby and a dream that went wild, and we grew it literally into a reality. How did you decide, like, this was a good place to have a vineyard? So we looked at the type of soil we would need. We looked at the temperature data for the whole state, you know, what what makes certain regions more um, special for growing grapes. We looked at what type of grapes we wanted to grow, what the experience for the customer was going to be. All of that kind of went into informing, you know, this space that we're standing in right now. So do you, like, take a grape and bury it and then... (laughs) So we're super lucky. We don't have to start there. There's companies that make the grapevines in, like, baby form, and they send them to us in the mail. So how did you decide what type of grape you wanted to... Is it planting? Is that what you would say? Yeah, it's planting. Is it casting? Is it plant? Yeah, we dig a deep hole in the ground, and we put the the vines in there when they're really young. And after um, three years, you get your first harvest. And five years, they're at full production. Three. So you did all this work, and then you're like... Nothing. Yeah. just Just sit and wait. Watching it. Sit and wait. It's, Do nothing? it's not like a get rich quick scheme yeah. at all. It's like, an, it's like a. It's a long adventure. <laughs> yeah, an adventure. I like that. I was going to use another word, but that's great. Okay, yeah. When choosing this location, what did the climate have to do with that? Like, because it, sometimes it can snow still, like in May. Yeah. So, how does the climate affect your vineyard? Was that a part of deciding where to plant? Absolutely. Climate plays a huge role in what grapes you want to pick, where you can grow certain things, uh, and how long your growing season is, which then decides, did I get this to the sugar content I need to make a great wine? But then on the same flip side of that, you don't want anything that's going to break its dormancy or come out too early. Because like you said, we could still get snow, even at this time of year. We can still have a hard freeze at night. So we want things that are going to break dormancy late in the season and then do a really fast, quick job of getting ripe okay. and then yeah. be ready in, like, September or early October okay. for harvest. Okay. okay. Wow. So, yeah, so it's super cool. intentional. Yeah. So during that time after it breaks and it's growing through that September, October, what do you hope the climate is like? Do you want it hot, dry? What is, what is the hope during that season? Yeah, it, the hotter and the drier at that point, the better because um, we're concentrating those sugars and we're creating those flavor compounds. So as grapes are getting dry, we're getting closer to harvest, sugar content's going like this. We're gaining what they call a bricks or a sugar, that's the amount of sugar in the grape per week. Yeah. Um, and then our acidity is dropping off. So there's kind of like an, a point where they're, theoretically supposed to cross and that's your target for your perfect harvest okay so that's what we're looking for christy thank you so much for taking the time talking to us about you know launching a vineyard planting all the things i'm excited to continue the conversation next week awesome see you then good morning how we all doing Good. Uh, my name is Jackson. I'm our student ministry director here at Birmingham. Uh, some of you may see me in the lobby sometimes. I'm usually hiding all the way down this long hallway with a bunch of middle schoolers, um, and it's crazy down there. So I'm super excited to be up here with all of you. Um, first off, I want to thank Brian for leading us through that beautiful Memorial Day moment. Um, can we just give it up for him really quick? Um, to be able to 
lead us through that moment um, was really, really beautiful um, to celebrate this weekend. Um, and so we're in this Vines and Grapes series, and I'm really glad that they played that video because as I was prepping for this, I was thinking, I'm not an expert in any of this kind of stuff. And so as I was prepping, I decided, well, since I know nothing, I do know somebody that knows something. And so I called my dad last week, and I'm like, listen, dad, he's going through level three sommelier training. So the dude's like super nerd about grapes and vines and all that. And I'm like, this is perfect. All right. So like, give me the lowdown. And I called him and he starts going into all these details. And he's like, you know, nerding out because I asked him about his favorite subject. And I was like, man, this is way over my head. Uh, can you like give me some like little things? He's like, oh, just swing on by the house, grab a textbook. It'll be great. I'm like, Dad, I don't got time for a textbook. I appreciate it. So then he sent me some screenshots of the textbook and sent it to me. I'm like, this is amazing. And then I find out that there was this video to play ahead of time that did all of it for me. So thank you for the video. And thank you, Dad, for giving me all that uh, amazing information. But um, that video is amazing. And it goes into all the, the difficult and the deep parts of what it takes to grow grapes and to have a winery, to have a vineyard. And we're in this grapes, grape and vine series um, where we are going to be talking about that exact topic, but that theme is incredibly biblical, and there's lots to unpack. Um, but the most interesting thing about these vines and these grapes that I learned from all of this, from all the conversation with my dad and all that, is just how dependent these vines are on the environment around them. Now, of course, that's true with any crop, but especially with vines, there's so many factors that can change the exact taste of the grape and maybe the wine eventually or the juice in the end product. Like, the soil, the water, the climate, the elevation, the water levels that these vines get. There are so many different factors that go into this. And it really made me think how opposite our culture is of that. How dependent these vines are on the environment around them. But in our culture, in our Western culture here, we love to be independent. Am I right? Like that's like every kid's goal is to become as independent as possible. In fact, in middle school, we got a bunch of 13-year-olds like going on 30 sometimes, all right? Like they just want to be as independent as possible. But that's true for all of us. And that's the example we represent is that we want to be able to control everything ourselves and not let any of our life be determined by the factors around us. But what happens when things don't work out the way we expect? Because let's be honest, we can't control everything in our own efforts, right? Sometimes we can't make things happen. Sometimes things fail or plans don't work out. We're left broken, hurt, dissatisfied, and stuck. Sometimes our work doesn't lead to fulfillment. So is there another way? That's what we're going to be looking at in this series, how we can do life differently in the life that Jesus has called us into and so we're going to dive into some of the final words of Jesus today uh, during the Last Supper, um, the words that Jesus gave to his disciples. So as we jump into today, will you all pray with me real quick? Lord, thank you so much for this beautiful weekend. Thank you for the servicemen and women who have lost their lives for, for us and for our country. Thank you for um, the fact that we get to all be here today. Lord, I pray that the words that come out of my mouth may be of you. I pray that there are open hearts and open minds to what you have to say this morning, and I pray that your spirit may move throughout us. We love you, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen. All right, I would like to take a quick moment to receive our offering. Um, so we'll throw up a slide, and there's all the different ways that you are able to give if you are um, a member of our church. If you consider this your home, we would love for you to be a part of this. If you are a guest, please just dismiss the next two minutes of what I'm going to say. Um, but 
Here's the really fun thing, is I know we share lots of fun stories and things that God does because of your generosity, because of your faithful giving to our church, but you guys don't get to see what I get to see, and so I just want to share how thankful I am for all of you, for your generosity, and for your faithful giving. Because what goes on down that incredibly long hallway to the middle school and the kids' wing is amazing. And the things that I get to see because of your generosity is amazing. Like just this morning, I'm really kind of sad actually, I'm not in there. We have a couple eighth graders sharing their last words. We do this series at the end of the year called Last Words, where eighth graders get to share their favorite memories and moments um, from breakaway the past three years, but then also they share how they have grown with Jesus over the past few years and what God has done for them. And it's kind of their last words of advice and encouragement to the rest of middle school. And it's so beautiful. It's so cool. I love it. One, I don't have to share and they don't have to listen to me, but they get to listen to their peers talk about how Jesus has changed their life. And it's beautiful. And I wish you all could hear those stories as well. And so I just want to thank you for that. And also, if any of you have gone down that hallway in the last month, K-Kids has been crushing it. Pineapple Mayhem was insane. So uh, if you don't know, Pineapple Mayhem is like this party that K-Kids does for four weeks every year. It's this massive competition and the kids go all out. And if you saw people dressed really weirdly over the last month, it was likely because of that. And Amanda and Michaela, our K-Kids team, has just been doing such a good job down that hallway um, that they're, they have so many cool stories of what God is doing down there because of your generosity. So I want to thank you. Um, but then also a quick plug, if you would like to volunteer more than finances and money and offering, uh, if you would like to volunteer your time, I know the K-Kids team needs a ton of help this summer. Uh, as small group leaders take a break during the summer, the only way they can keep their classrooms open and the only reason they can uh, do what they do is through volunteers. And so if you have a couple weeks this summer that are free and you're able to donate your time to K-Kids, I know there's some posters in the lobby with QR codes or you can find myself, Amanda, or Michaela and let us know, hey, I would love to help out this summer once or twice, hang out with some kids, ask some questions. It'll be great. Um, so if you would like to offer some time, you can do that as well. All right, as... Uh, as I was preparing for this message and I was talking about it in the office that we are in this uh, grape and vine series, uh, I was kind of talking about it a little bit and our production director, Danny, who's in the tech booth back there hiding, uh, we made a joke as I was talking about it. He said, so are we just going to do like a wine tasting in church? Is that what we're doing this series? I was like, Danny, I love where your head's at. We'll do like a 30-minute wine tasting. It'll be the whole service. Highest attended service ever, honestly. Justin's not here. He won't know. It'll be great. He'll just hear all the reports of people texting him like, dude, best service ever. Like, you should miss more often. It'll be great. So, Danny, you're on to something. But uh, sadly, no, we are not doing that today. We do get communion today. So, you know, there's a little something later. It's juice. Sorry to disappoint, but just pretend. It'll be great. Um, but the reason we are talking about vines today is because the imagery of vines is pertinent throughout the entire Bible. And I'm thankful that today we're talking about my favorite moment uh, where Jesus is sharing about vines the night of the Passover, the Last Supper, before Jesus was going to go to the cross. And so Jesus takes his disciples to this borrowed upper room. He washes their feet. He's teaching them some things. Judas exits early because he's about to go betray him. And Jesus shares this with us in John 15. We'll throw it up on the screen. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up 
thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples, as the Father has loved me. So, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. Now, there's a lot to unpack here. Uh, I bet you I could probably figure out like 10 different sermons from this. Uh, you could probably figure out more. Justin could probably figure out like 100. The dude just like turns him out. And there's just one thing that I really want to sit in in this. There's one main point that I would, I would love to sit in. And it's Jesus continues to remind them to remain in the vine. And that's what we're focusing on this morning. Remain in the vine. See, in his final thoughts, and his final words, Jesus decides to shift the narrative. For three years, he was doing ministry on earth. He was calling disciples. He was doing miracles. And his main message was, follow me. Right? He kept encouraging people, follow me. Follow the ways that I want to show you. And now in the end, Jesus says, instead of follow me, because he knows he's about to depart, and they're already confused, and they're going to be even more confused, he says, remain in me. Now, in viticulture, there's this term called terroir. Now, it's a French word, and you know, normally for pastors, they teach you like the Latin words, the Greek words, the Hebrew words, right? Like pastors are always coming up with like teaching you all these words. Well, now we're going French, all right? I took French in middle school, so hopefully I'm crushing this. Um, the word is terroir, all right? Now, terroir is a super interesting word. It just means the entire environment and culture around the vine. Like we watched in that video, so many aspects of terroir affect the vine in the end. The climate, the soil, the elevation, the sunlight, the water levels. And here, Jesus was boldly saying that the sense of place, so terroir is the sense of place, the sense of place that we are to place ourselves in is not rooted in a location, but in a person, in Jesus. He was saying that he wants to be their home, their holy place, what they are to be rooted in, and that they are to remain in him. And the sense of place is something that we all long for. All of us do. In fact, one of the biggest reasons I love working with middle school and high schoolers is because when I was a student, that was all I was trying to figure out was my sense of place, right? You're trying to figure out your place in the world. You don't know what's going on. You're trying to figure out friends and how to communicate with people and who is God in my life. And there's so many things to figure out. Who's talking to who? Who's friends with who? Uh, who has nice cars or nice clothes, right? You're just trying to figure out your place in the world, and there's so many things going on that we all are trying to find our sense of place. But the thing that I noticed is uh, there's this song from the early 2000s. This is such a 90s kid reference, so I hope some of you know the song. Uh, a song from the early 2000s by Bowling for Soup called High School Never Ends. All right, I'm sure maybe some of you have heard it. And this song is like super goofy and kind of weird. Uh, it does have uh, a little bit of choice language, so maybe don't play it on the way home if you've got some kids in the car. Um, but the song talks all about how in high school, you have all these things going on that you're trying to figure out, basically all the chaos of high school. Like who's talking to who, who's friends with who, who has nice clothes, who has nice things, all that. But that you graduate high school thinking, oh, finally, I'm going to get rid of all of that. We don't have to worry about that. And now I'm an adult. Nobody cares. To find out that high school never ends. People still care about who has the nice things, who wears the nice clothes, who's friends with who, who's making money, right? That's still what our world cares about. High school never really ends. And I think that's true. So the same reason that I care about talking to middle school and high schoolers, trying to find our sense of place, is the same reason I'm excited to talk to you about this message today, is that our world and our culture is desperately trying to find their sense of place in all the wrong things. We try to find our peace, our comfort, our ultimately our fulfillment in anything and everything. 
We, we try to look everywhere for it. It's our fast-paced, quick-result culture where we try to spend our time, our money, and our resources just to make things bigger and better and to accumulate more. Oftentimes, we put our dependence not only in things, but also in places or in people, so much so that at times we feel inseparable from these different things or people. But none of these will last forever. None of these will ultimately bring us true fulfillment for our souls. And more often than not, in searching for these, the results are loneliness, unfulfillment, and emptiness. So Jesus was going to shake things up for his disciples. He wants them to find their sense of place long after he's not going to be on the earth. So instead of follow me, he now says, remain in me. And Jesus is saying the same things to us. He desires us to find that sense of place in him. And I believe we can find all that we need, success and fulfillment, not just in our own efforts, but in him. He says in 15 uh, verse 5, he says, apart from me, you can do nothing. This was probably the hardest verse for me to understand in this entire passage for the longest time. I don't know if you read this and you think the same thing I way, the same way I do, but the first thought I had was, there are plenty of people that do cool things without Jesus, right? There's industry leaders, there's people that are successful, like you flip on the TV or anywhere, and there's plenty of people doing amazing, really cool, amazing things, but they don't have Jesus in their life. So I'm like, all right, this makes no sense. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Clearly people can do things without God. Like this didn't make sense to me. But I want to sit here for a second because I think what Jesus is saying is instead of you can just do nothing in the world, I think what he's saying is you can do nothing of eternal value apart from me. You can do lots in this world. You can do lots of successful things compared to our worldly standards, but compared to his standards and what he's looking out for, there is nothing of eternal worth we can do without him. Jesus is inviting us into something different, something deeper, something more sustaining, something more fulfilling, something that is eternal. He is offering us himself. And so he desires to shift our securities to him alone. He wants to be our terroir. He wants to be our sense of place, our true belonging. Even in the midst of any ups and downs of life, he is our security and our dependence. Other translations uh, use the word abide. I know some people love the word abide, so remain, abide. I'll kind of use them both interchangeably. Um, but the word abide means to continue or um, to stay, to be consistent. And so he gives us this visual example of branches connected to a vine. And that when the branches are connected to the vine, they're being continually poured into, continually fed from the vine. They continually have their sense of place. And I love this word abide because it reminds me of the consistency of it. It is consistently connected to the vine. The branches are consistently connected. Now, uh, last weekend, my wife and I got to drive down to Tulsa, Oklahoma, and it was a very long drive, uh, but it was for a triathlon that I got to take part in. That was a lot of fun, and I've been training for a long while. This was one of my life goals that I've been working for um, to achieve an Ironman distance triathlon, and so last weekend, we went down there to do that, and it went great. It went amazingly. I finished. It's awesome. I have some really weird tan lines you can ask me about later. That's why I'm wearing long sleeves. Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, I can't wear sleeves all, or I have to wear sleeves all summer because the tan line is absolutely terrible. Like, it's, it's amazing. You should ask me about it later, but um, the race went great, and people keep asking me, what was the hardest part? Was it the swim, the bike, the run? Like, what, did, what was the hardest part for you? And honestly, it was none of those. And I know that sounds really weird because you're like, 
those are the three parts of a triathlon. Like, why would one of those three not be the hardest part? Well, in triathlon, there's this weird thing that people joke about, that nutrition is the fourth discipline. So you kind of have the main three and then nutrition. You need to focus on it just as much as the other three. If any of you have done like long distance races, you know that nutrition is pretty important because you'll run out of glycogen stores and glucose if you just keep working and keep draining your system, but you're not refueling it. And so throughout the race, on the bike especially, I had to take all these energy gels and cliff bars. And so I brought these, if anybody's ever seen like these energy gels like these, all right? So I had like 15 of these throughout the bike and I had like, I think six cliff bars throughout the bike. So I'm like constantly taking in food, right? And I've done some longer races before running, but like never on the bike where I'm like hunched up in my stomach's like kind of being scrunched. So I took like tons of these for nutrition. I'm just taking them in and the bike went great. I crushed the bike, felt way better than I thought I was going to, but I get to the run and I'm like two miles in, I have a marathon to run. So I'm like, all right, this is gonna be a long time, you know? So I get two miles in and my stomach is like a brick. Like my entire core is hurting like crazy. I, it's, it was like a, a, the side stitch, but across my entire core. And I was like, I can't run right now. I, I really couldn't run. My legs felt great. Like energy wise, I was fine, but I just couldn't run. So I basically walked slash jogged. It would, it would be like a quarter mile walk, quarter mile jog, quarter mile walk, quarter mile jog for the entire marathon. So it definitely took longer than I was hoping for it to be. And again, my legs felt great. So I can't say the run, I felt bad, but the nutrition aspect was by far the hardest part, especially when my stomach hurt. I still had like five hours to go at the beginning of the marathon, and I knew I had to still keep taking in those gels and gummy bears, and they had like potato chips and other things on the run. It was amazing, but I had to keep taking in this food, even though I thought I was like nauseous the entire time. It was terrible, and nutrition was super important, but what I, the most important thing was to be consistent with it, you had to just consistently take it in because your body is consistently depleting your energy sources. So I had to consistently keep taking it in. Now, this is the opposite of a car. When we took the road trip there, filled up our gas tank, you drive it till it's almost empty, you fill it up again, you drive it till it's almost empty, and your car works great that way, right? That's how all of our cars work, and it functions great. Well, our bodies were not meant to do that. And what Christ is saying in the same way that I had to consistently take in nutrition, I had to consistently be topped off in my energy levels, is the same way he wants us to be connected to the vine. He wants to consistently top off our souls. He wants to fill us up. Abiding is, the, is continually receiving and trusting in Christ. It means receiving the love of Jesus and receiving the joy that Jesus has in the Father and in us. Nothing of spiritual or eternal significance is even possible apart from abiding. Abiding is the foundation and our source of nurturing growth in our relationship with Christ. In fact, there is no fruit. There are no grapes in the end without remaining in the vine. So all the fruit we read about in the Bible, what Christ has called us to be when we are transformed cannot happen without abiding. So how do we abide? right? How do we remain in Christ? What does that even look like? Well, abiding means being united with Jesus, right? He says, remain in me as I also remain in you. So abiding means being united with Jesus. We experience being united through our pursuit of connection with him, right? It's a relationship, not a transaction. It goes both ways. We need to communicate with God as much as we need to listen for him communicating with us and him moving in us. So we abide with him as he abides with us. It's relational, That's the first part. 
Abiding also means relying on Jesus, putting our dependence and our trust in him. Now, this is unlike being united because this doesn't really go both ways. He doesn't rely and depend on us, but we absolutely need to rely and depend on him. The nice thing is that he cares for our every need. So in Matthew 6, 25 to 26, we'll read it quickly. Jesus cares about our every need. So when we depend on him, we are depending on the one who cares and loves for every need of ours. He says in Matthew 6, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what, what you will wear. Is life not more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or, stow, or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? So remaining in Christ gives us the strength and the hope needed to rely on him in everyday life. Abiding also means finding rest in Jesus. Uh, I'm going to read Matthew 11, 28 through 30. I'm going to read it in the message translation, which is a little different. It's more of a thought-for-thought translation, so it's not super literal. But I love the way that the author of the message translation puts these verses. He says, are you tired, worn out? This is Jesus saying this. Are you tired, worn out, burned out by religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Jesus invites us to find rest in him. Rest from the demands and the burdens of life and of sin. A rest that is found only through our faith in him and our surrender of our control and our dependence that we can then place on him. It's the confidence of a small infant sitting in their mother's arms, being able to fall asleep, trusting that everything's okay. That's the same kind of rest we are to have in Jesus. It's rest that promises love, healing, and peace. But abiding is not still or immobile. Abiding is active. It is something we need to do. Being a branch to the vine means living with Christ, doing the day-to-day with him. It's being aware of his presence when we would otherwise just do things our own way and in our own independence. It's becoming aware of his presence in all moments of life. Uh, I love thinking about the different way that people spend time with God and the different way people— the different ways people connect with God. Uh, I think of my wife, she loves listening to worship music on her way to work. Um, This is something that I don't normally do, but I've driven with her to work sometimes, and I've like tried putting on other music accidentally, and she's like, no, 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 it's either silence or worship music. It's one of the two, and that's her rhythm. She's got a longer commute to work, and she loves spending that time focusing on Jesus. That's hers. For me, uh, if I get up early in the morning, I love being able to lay down on the floor. Uh, It's kind of weird, but I lay on the floor, I light a candle, and I use that time to pray, meditate, read scripture, and just spend that time with God. There's also an amazing app called the Pause app. Maybe some of you have heard of it. I know Justin's probably talked about it before. Uh, This app that you can get, it will remind you twice a day to take a a pause, and it gives you a one-minute up to ten-minute Christian meditation, biblical meditation that will lead you through to just remind you to connect and be aware of the presence of God throughout your day. A couple things I also love. My mom during Lent has these tiny little crosses that are almost like rocks that she puts in her socks the entire season of Lent. And if any of you have ever had a rock or a pebble in your shoe, it's incredibly annoying. She does that the entire time. But it's a constant reminder 
of the sacrifice Jesus made on the cross. So that pain that she experiences in her feet and that annoyance she's constantly experiencing reminds her to be aware of the presence of God in her life. It's just a beautiful way that she connects with God. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I, got, uh, I wanted to hang out with one of my small group leaders down in Breakaway. His name's Stu Sabolka. He's an amazing leader. Uh, he teaches our students so well, and I, and I love his service. And so I wanted to connect with him, so I said, Stu, let's hang out, let's catch up. He said, hey, I've been birdwatching a lot lately. It's migration season. It's a few weeks ago. He's like, you want to come birdwatching with me? I was like, absolutely, yeah, let's do it. So we got up early in the morning, and I met him at a park, and we just walked around for an hour. Well, I did for an hour. He was there for four hours. Uh, but I walked around with him for an hour, and we just watched birds, connected in nature, had great conversation. And Stu loves to connect with God through nature. He sees the presence of God by spending time in his creation, and he loves that. So I want to ask for you, what are the different things or activities you can do to make yourself more aware of God's presence in your life? It could be something simple. It could be something more involved. But how can you remain in him? Because the more we abide, the more his grace, his love, and his power transforms us. And we then begin to reflect the real attributes of the vine, of the fruit. Right? If we want good fruit, we must remain in Christ. In fact, Dallas Willard says this. I love how he says this. He says, you must arrange your days so that you are experiencing deep contentment, joy, and confidence in your everyday life with God. So how are you arranging your days? That's the question I want to ask. Does it give space to be connected to the vine? Think about your day-to-day schedule. How could you purposefully spend more time being united with Christ, relying on him, resting in him? How can you remain in the vine? Now, I'm thankful I get to encourage you all with this message today because if there was one thing I wanted all of our middle school and high school students that I get to lead to understand by the time they graduate high school, it is this one thing. It is to remain in him. Because I know that when they leave high school, if they can get this one thing, they will be successful in the eyes of God. No matter what happens in life, the ups, the downs, the terrible, the good, the people that come in and out of it, the things that come in and out of it, if they can just remain in him, they have the foundation they need for the rest of their life. That doesn't change for us. Like I said earlier, high school never ends, right? It is true for all of us too. Just a couple weeks ago, I got lunch with one of uh, our high school small group leaders, Steve Buchan. And Steve's amazing. We got lunch on a Monday after a long day of ministry Sunday, right? I do middle school in the morning and then high school at night. Uh, we got lunch and we're hanging out. And I was telling him about this story that happened earlier in the morning where I'm like trying to, I'm at my apartment complex trying to fit my bike in my car. And, uh, you know, apartment complex, massive facility, tons of neighbors. I obviously don't know all my neighbors. So this dude is biking by and he starts to make some small talk with me, but it was kind of like weird small talk and I was kind of thrown off. And it was like Monday morning and, you know, I was pretty tired and I was just really just kind of wanted to blow him off and like not engage in any conversation. I thought it was weird. I didn't really want to be there. And... So I kind of just blew it off a little bit. So I'm telling Steve about my weird morning because it was like a 15-minute encounter. And he asked me, like, were you looking for where Jesus was in that moment? And what, maybe he wanted to speak through you to that person? I was like, whoa, no, I was not. And I kind of I made a cracking joke that I'm a great, or maybe a good Sunday pastor, or maybe a good, like, Tuesday, Wednesday afternoon pastor, but Monday morning pastor, very difficult, let me tell you. Being a good pastor on Monday morning's hard. I kind of just made a joke about it. But it's real. I didn't feel connected to the vine in that moment. I didn't, I wasn't acting out of the good fruit. I wasn't allowing Jesus to transform my heart and my ways, right? That's difficult. It takes time. 
It takes daily connecting with the Father. So I'm not just preaching to all of you. Trust me, I'm preaching this to myself. We all need this reminder to remain in him, to allow our connection with God to transform our hearts from the inside out. And I just imagine how bright the light would be if everyone in this room were to be daily connecting with God, remaining in the vine, the light that we would all shine to our community. Could you just imagine if in every moment we all were aware of the presence of God, allowing him to flow through us to our community, the impact that we could make on a daily basis? It'd be beautiful. It would be kingdom changing forever. And that's what I imagine can happen if we can remain in him daily. You've been listening to the Kensington Church Podcast. If you've enjoyed this recording, check back weekly for new content. You can find Kensington on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and of course, at kensingtonchurch.org.